What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. To go on a rant than the the one that I just went on. <laughs> Welcome to another live episode of the Wisco Fanatic Show, where we discuss the Packers, box, Brewers, Badgers football, and basketball from an optimistic perspective. Wisco Fanatics is brought to you by Cardboard Legacy, Wisconsin's most complete sports card shop. Buy, sell, grade, and consign all at their location in Oshkosh. So, luckily, this show doesn't start at 3.59 and a half minutes on, on the days, on Wednesdays. Uh, it's, been a, it's been a week, let's say that. I will say I enjoyed my time at the Senior Bowl. What's up, Reggie? Uh, but let's just say that things going on in the realm of Wisconsin sports over the last week has brought out a lot of people that really just need to think before they speak and think before they hit post, send, uh, comment, whatever it may be. And I'll just leave it at that. Think before you speak. Just leave it at that. I'm just going to say that they're probably the people that are wearing the new Apple headset while they drive. I'm just, that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> I could see a couple of them doing it. <laughs> but we'll, we'll get to the individual that. subjects. We will. We will get there. So we're going to start with Badger basketball. Um, Reggie's happy with the Packers hires. We did discuss those on Friday night. Uh, we discussed Jeff Halfley on Friday night. So if you do want to hear our thoughts on Jeff Halfley, Friday night's show has it. Um, so you can find that on Facebook, YouTube, and podcasting apps. Yes. Okay. So we're going to start with the Badgers game against Nebraska. I'm going to let Mike go first because when I go last for Nebraska, I'm going to go first into Purdue because I want to say things that kind of encompass – a week so mike what stood out to you from the nebraska game last week uh you know unfortunately it, did, it didn't end up going so hot uh pretty identical to how it ended last year unfortunately um but you know i will take a positive out of this on my first take i got max klesman as take number one um yes he did have four four turnovers in in this game but he also you know showed some you know positive moments particularly 
you know, in the second half, you know, we give up that lead, right? We're tied at 52 with eight minutes and 40 seconds left. And he showed spurts like in other games in the past where he scored 20 consecutive points, 10 consecutive points, whatever it was. This is one of those games where once again, he shows up and scores 11 consecutive points for the, for the bat, for the batters. When we were going through a freaking dry spell, uh, to say the least, when we could not get, um, when we could not get, uh, you know, on a roll here. So, uh, you know, we, what was it? Yeah. He scored 11 consecutive points to get the lead to, to six with about three minutes remaining. He kept us in it. Uh, you know, like I said, going through that dry spell. And I think really importantly that he held Kasai Tomonaga to one of seven shooting, which, you know, going into the game, you know, I talked about him. I know that he's a menace in the, in the big 10 in general. So, I mean, if there was one positive that, um, you know, I could take from this game personally at the end of the day, it was Max Klesman, both offensively and defensively. I like it. Yeah, and then, good, uh, rip your second one right away. Yeah, for sure. So, um, unfortunately, I do have to go to the ne- one of the negatives in this game, and that was the turnovers. Um, you know, it was a season high. We had 16 of them, which was absolutely – I'm going to say – I'm going to say, you know, it, it wasn't like us because – these turn like 16 turnovers led into how we played in games like similar to last year where you know we went back to ended up going back to our old ways and whether that was hanging around the perimeter putting up garbage shots which did sometimes led to turnovers right before that or you know it just brought us out of sync and playing at nebraska is the next house of horrors i don't know why but you know i guess it is um it led to a lack of energy, I thought, this second half. Uh, it completely stopped. Yeah. So I just wanted to go through, like, most of our main players, AJ Store, he had five turnovers. Max Klesman, as I mentioned before, had four. Chucky Hepburn, who I thought played pretty well for the most part, he had two. Stephen Crowell had two. And John Blackwell had two. So it was a whole collection of the team for, you know, getting these 16 turnovers. We could have used that extra timeout as well in the second half. If you guys know what I'm talking about, unfortunately we had to burn one in the first half when Tyler Wall called it. He made a hustle play. That's fine. Um, But we definitely could have used another timeout in that second half to calm the guys down a little bit because Mm -hmm. we were starting to lose it a little. So, um, you know, it's just something we have to clean up because like I said, this led to a lack of energy. Um, It led to our play style going to shit as well. You know, we completely stopped playing through the post, uh, which I thought was completely, I don't know, miscalculated there. Because going back to my Max Klesman point, six of his points were on two consecutive threes from getting post touches into Tyler Wall. It came yep. back home. So why did we get away from that, you know? So um, life on the road, man, in the Big Ten, it is what it is. Uh, this was a bad loss. I know Nebraska, they are a ter- tournament team, I think, this year. But this is just one of those games that you just cannot let slip away, especially when you give up a lead like that. And, you know, we got we just have to, you know, rise above that going forward on the road specifically. So I want to address one of the things you said. First, I'm going to go to Barry in the comments. Yes, Barry, I, I have a little bit more sunshine than I normally get because I was in Alabama last week. But it took sunburn to get there. So beauty is pain. <laughs> Anyways. Um, 
as far as the Badgers are concerned, listening to you talk, you talked it through that the way the Badgers lost their lead was by not playing like the Badgers. So a little foreshadowing because I'm going to come back to that in a future segment. So, Jake, what two things stood out to you from Nebraska? It's going to be a good segment because I, I agree with you. So I got some things to tell you. Nah, I'm going to start with the sad. <laughs> Sorry. Let's just get it over with, boys. We're bad so, news. We're bad news first, guys. That's that's us. Yeah. So Nebraska loves playing in their home court. They're fourteen and one this year in their home court. Fourteen of their sixteen wins are at their home court. Home court. The Badgers, on Damn. the other hand, two years in a row have blown big, big leads. Uh, last year we blew a seventeen point lead, and this year we blew an eighteen point lead. And here's where it's going to hurt. I'm sorry. <laughs> Wisconsin since the year two thousand is one hundred and twenty and zero. When leading by 15 plus points. No. Yep. That was the first one. Yep. It was bound to happen. Um, right. It's it's like Tyler and I have said on this show before. If there's a stat in sports that is gonna happen, it's it's just it's gonna happen. It's, it's going to happen. Can't stop yep. it. That's, mm-hmm. that's why we love sports. There's always a yep. chance for something crazy to happen, a crazy shot, a crazy home run, a crazy pitch, a crazy pass, a crazy tackle. Something crazy is gonna happen. Every outcome that can possibly happen is going to happen at some point. It's gonna happen. Yep. So up, James? And it, it is what it is. So yep. My first takeaway, and both my takeaways kind of uh, play off each other. I picked Chucky in first half versus second half. So Chucky, uh, he ended up scoring 13 points, three rebounds, three assists. He shot six of 12 from the field and 0 of 5 from th- from three-point range. Now, the three-pointers, that doesn't worry me as much. Would I like him to make more three-pointers? Yes, I would. I would like him to shoot with a little bit more confidence from the, behind the arc as well. But he went on a 9-4 run to close the first half. And it was like, okay, Chucky, Chucky's balling right now. He's kind of yep. carrying. Um, he wants to send a message because he was getting booed every time he touched the ball. And, you know, this was only the seventh game this year that Chucky had double-digit scoring. Hmm. We need more from Chucky. Yeah, and I agree. I yep. think he's doing a tremendous job at what he's doing. He's he's trying really hard on playing defense. He's trying to set other guys up. He He's a tough rebounder when he wants to be. But – you know, the reality of the situation is, is he needs to be a scorer as well. He needs to be a 15, uh, I would say, 13 to 16 point per game scorer. And if you could do that, you could be one of the best point guards in the Big Ten, which is obviously one of the better conferences in college basketball. I'll let people make whatever argument they want. I'm not going to say Big Ten's the best, even though I might be biased in that argument. And he just needs to score more. So well, I mean, it was just – just a couple weeks ago that I brought up that Chucky Epper needs to up his efficiency back to how he was two years ago. Yeah, and I, I agree with that. Um, now you get into the, the first half or the second half argument, right? And I already told you that Chucky finished on a personal 9-4 to four run. He scored all nine of those Wisconsin points. So nine of his 13 were at the end of the first half. This is the Badgers, <laughs> and this is bad too. First half, we shot 55% from the field goal. Second half, 36% field goal percentage. We got 11 total field goal makes and 10 turnovers. That is a recipe for getting your ass whooped, especially when you have a team like Nebraska that was just building momentum, building momentum, building momentum. And Tyler pointed out a couple weeks ago that momentum might might be the most important in college basketball, right? Mm -hmm. And there was a big-time three. Do not remember the kid's name. I apologize. Wilcher. 
wheelchair who went he, he started ham. pounding his chest, started telling the crowd to get louder, and those kids just feed off of that. And from that moment on, if you're a Wisconsin fan, you did one of the gulp, like we're in big trouble. <laughs> so the Badgers were in a tough situation, and Purdue lost there as well. A lot of people lost there. I, I should have looked up the team that beat Nebraska in their house. But, you know, it it is what it is. But the statement I was going to say is Tyler was foreshadowing. The Badgers stopped playing like the Badgers in the second half. They really got away from, from staples of their offense and their team. So I'm going to let Tyler go now. I appreciate you giving a call back to me. I appreciate that for, for my, my comment on momentum in college basketball. Um, James said the cool thing about sports, real life sports over video games is in video games, things have to be programmed to happen in real life. Craziest things can have and will continue to happen. And that's strongly agree. You know, there's, I'll, I'll give you one crazy example is, is Tracy McGrady scoring 13 points in 33 seconds. That sequence is wild. And that happened to a dynasty that happened to the Spurs dynasty. So things can happen. Things will happen. Sometimes it'll happen for the, the teams that we cheer for. Sometimes it'll happen to the teams against that we cheer for. So stuff happens. It's not a reason to overreact and act like the Badgers haven't been a good team to this point or that they can't be a good team in the future because of this past two games. So first thing I want to talk about. It, and this is going to tie into the Bucks a little bit as well because the Bucks on Saturday against the Mavericks got down by a big chunk and came back to win. The Badgers got up by a big chunk and ended up losing. This is one of those situations where people are choosing to live to complain because when it comes to the Badgers... They choked by not by not keeping their lead, by losing their lead, by not winning when they had a big lead. However, when you go to the Bucks, it's, oh, well, they never should have been down by that many points in the first place. The, that is the problem in the mindset if that is the way that you are looking at these two specific games and just leads in general. First of all, basketball is a game of runs. Second of all, if you can apply... A certain mindset to your team, apply the opposite to the other team, and then give them credit for doing things well. We need to normalize respect for our opponents when they do things well. Credit to Wilcher. That dude caught fire. Yeah, he did. I bet it felt awesome. Credit to him. He he made really tough shots. I don't have a problem admitting it. It's not like you can't just go rewatch the game and then be like, no, he didn't make any tough shots. The Badgers made the shots for him by playing bad defense. That's not how it works. We need to normalize giving credit to our opponents when they do things well. It's not always the teams that we cheer for have absolute control over everything, and the Badgers should have kept a big lead. Bucks never should have gotten down by a big chunk and, and never say that the opponent has any say in the outcome. So that's my first thing. I don't want to talk about AJ Store and Tyler Wall. So AJ Store, similar to Chucky Hepburn, great first half, kind of a rough second half. So AJ Store in the first half, he matched his total from the first time the Badgers in Nebraska played in the first five minutes and beat it in six. So AJ Store got off to a great start. 
This was even still, uh, though he didn't have as good of a second half, the first ever back-to-back 20-point games of his career. So that's good for AJ as well. Um, like I said, Taylor two halves. He just couldn't really get his rhythm. Um, he made a massive, massive three towards the end of the game, and then he missed an elbow jumper in the overtime. It's Stuff happens. James said that's the problem when your favorite is everything you do wrong will be under the biggest mi- microscope. It doesn't, it doesn't even have to be the favorites. Like, I get the Badgers are ranked number six and that the Bucks are considered contenders, but it, it it boils down to the mindset for anything um, more, more than what the perception of what success looks like. Yeah, but we even tried to tell you guys last week on this show. I know, I know for sure that I did. I know for sure Mike did, and I know that Tyler was agreeing that don't look, overlook this Nebraska game. Mm-hmm. Nebraska's good at Hell home. Hell no, dude. We were uh-huh. saying that on here because everybody was looking at the Purdue matchup, and I understand. But yep. this, this kind of became a trap game for a lot of fans, which is why I think the reactions that we got. So the other thing I want to do is give credit to Tyler Wall. Mike already kind of touched on this run, but Nebraska had come back to tie the game. Tyler Wall was on the bench during that time. Tyler Wall came back in. He had a hand enforcing two turnovers and assisted back-to-back threes by Max Klesman. So the game was tied. Tyler Wall helped force a turnover, assisted a three to Max Klesman. Nebraska came back down. Tyler Wall helped force another turnover and then got another assist to Max Klesman for another three. I will be talking more about Tyler Wall in a future segment. Spoiler alert. I should have said spoiler alert first, but I'll leave that at that. <clears throat> okay, so let's switch over to Purdue. Now, like I just said about normalizing giving credit to your opponent, first thing I want to say from the Purdue game, can we just take a step back from the fact that we are Badgers fans and the team that we cheer for lost this game and just admire the fact that this was a great college basketball game? It was fun. The energy was there. Like, <clears throat> Yes, it was. Energy, I'm glad you brought that up. The energy was... Yeah, is what stood out. I mean, obviously, did everything go right for us? Absolutely not. But the energy, both sides, that's what really stood out, I would say. Good that's, or bad. that's what makes college basketball great, mm-hmm. is, is the atmospheres of the games. So I will say, I cannot wait for the next time the Badgers and Purdue play. I think it's going to be another great basketball game. Because even though Purdue led basically the entire game, and at one point the lead was 10 briefly, This game was almost single digits the entire game. Mm -hmm. There was not a single point at which Purdue felt comfortable that they were going to win the game. So the Badgers, right there. And that's going to tie into my second one, which is the lay of the land of a six-point loss to the number two team in the country. And I know Mike's going to touch on second chance points, so I'm going to leave that for him. But Badgers only turned the ball over five times. That's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. They shot 3 of 19 from 3, 16%. That is not fantastic. However, you look at things like points in the paint. The Badgers outscored Purdue 44 to 34. Yeah. Bench points. The Badgers outscored Purdue 11 to 2. Yeah. And then looking at just, I mean, Purdue also only made three three-point shots. I just brought up that the Badgers outscored them in points in the paint meaning that the Badgers forced Purdue to beat them in the mid-range. Shout out to Greg Gard. That is what you want to force Purdue to do. I brought up last week as one of my goals was to not let Purdue's three-point shooters take over the game. 
and they didn't. They made their mid-range shots, so credit to them, but the Badgers ran them off the three-point line, and Purdue made a lot of mid-range shots, and they won by six against a team that shot 16% on threes. So, like I said, I'm very much looking forward to the next time the Badgers and Purdue match up, but... I'm going to get to a couple of comments from James here. He said, I played sports almost my whole life. During the game, the only thing you worry about is making the prepping, making the proper adjustments and coming out with the dub after the game and you get back to practice and watching film. That's when you worry about what you should have done and work to fix that. And that's that's true. Um, he said, I know it's not the same thing, but when coaching youth soccer, never once said to my team after a game, we should have never been down by two goals. Yeah, we won, but that shouldn't have happened. Show respect to your opponents. They're out there working for the same thing, no matter what their record is. And that is absolutely a fact. And you look at Whatever teams you're talking about, whether it be basketball, football, whatever league you're looking at, yeah, all of the people that they're going against are their peers. Yeah. It's not like, you know, I mean, I get that you have differences in, in experience and you can, you know, you have, you know, upperclassmen versus lowerclassmen teams and things like that. And obviously you get rankings and things like that taken into account. But you look at it in college basketball. These are all college basketball D1 athletes. You look at the NFL. These are all professional football teams, even if some are better than others. You look at the NBA. They're all professional basketball teams, even though some are better than others. These are all peers. Nobody's taking you know NBA teams and going to play a college basketball team. That's not, that's not what's happening. The Brewers aren't going to play somebody's AAA team next year. Yeah, like when they used to make the argument that the best college football team would beat the worst NFL team. We're not doing not that. a chance in hell. They would get their ass whooped so bad, dude. It's not they would get destroyed. Destroyed. Not not even remotely close. All right, Mike. What two things stood out to you against not one twenty two and six? Oh yeah. So I'm gonna do a quick call out. First off, you said like the bench points. You know, we won like eleven to yeah. two. I, and then that kind of ties into, well, this is a separate point, but I thought we did pretty well on Zach Eady given the the, circum, the circumstances. I mean, he ends up with, what, eight, 18, 13. But, I mean, Nolan Winter, you saw make great defensive plays on him. Um, you know, Stephen Crawl held, held the zone, I thought, as well. But I thought overall, like you said, we were making – Brayden Smith played one hell of a game, I think, making those mid-range shots. But I thought collectively we did a good job on Zach Eady. And just looking at this bench, if we can get if we can get Zach Eady in foul trouble, man, this team, oh man, we can we're we're not like superior. We're like this is Purdue, maybe right now. We're I think we're literally right here. If any, we're not too far off at all, in my view. Um, you know, this was the, the like I said with the energy, both sides came with it. A lot of balls did not just didn't fall our way. I took this game similar to like Tennessee I would say if you remember that game two great teams playing it did that game was just high scoring but we just couldn't get enough stops consecutively just to get over that hump and um, you know unfortunately it didn't go our way but I did want to bring up Tyler Wall in this game because this was might have arguably been I you got to check the stats possibly his best game of his whole Badger career and I you know that's saying a lot. That's over 100 games, right? So Tyler Wall with Zach with seven foot four, Zach Eady guarding him for the most part, mind you. 20 points, seven rebounds, six six of those rebounds, offensive. Five assists and two blocks. Ten of 16 shooting. This dude was making shots over 
you know, a seven, like I said, over seven foot four Zach Eady. This, I, I think this was his best game of could of his career. I will say that right now. He was phenomenal. He looked, you know, as far as polished in terms of execution, he was up here. Yeah, Everyone the else might have been down going, here. Oh, yeah, fantastic. he was vintage, and you know, he cooked Edie a few times, which was which was great to see. Um, you know, he he was the leader, no no doubt in this game either. I mean. Shit, man! If he can put that together consistently, we're we're going to be in a final four for sure. But now, props to Tyler Wall. He was definitely by far the best player on the on. You could even say on the court. Honestly, I know we lost, but you know, it is what it is. But um, second point being, um, a lot of ball. Like I said, the energy was great, but the second chance points. A four, unfortunately, a few, a lot of balls fell in Purdue's hands. Yeah, and. The rebound, I mean, whether it was it came down to rebounding, which they did win overall 42 to 29, or you know, just with like getting loose balls or anything along those lines, we did lose the second chance points battle 21 to 14. But I do one specific play which I think kind of defined how this game went. When I mentioned before, we didn't get we couldn't just we couldn't generate consecutive stops on a consistent basis. So E Zach E was at the free throw line. They were up 59 to 57 with four minutes and 40, 46 seconds left. I mentioned that I mentioned this in the chat. He misses, but the Badgers give up another, a second chance opportunity on a rebound. Then mm-hmm. we get the ball coming down. Max Klesman gets fouled. He's at the bonus. He get, gets an in and out free throw at the ball and misses it. You know, it's just one of those things where we had the opportunity to tie it up but we stayed in that two to six point, two to six, two to eight point region. And we just couldn't get over that hump. And it was the same thing as that Tennessee game. So um, I think that sequence right there is kind of how this game was defined. We just couldn't quite get over that hump. And, um, but you know, that's, you know, as far as energy was, it was great. The Cole center. Oh my God. I I hope that can somehow stay the rest of the year for our home games. We're going to need that. Oh yeah. Um, it, it was such a joy to see because that's what it used to be like. I mean, these last couple seasons at home, I mean, I've criticized it myself on social media or, you know, even in you guys in the chat, like the Cole center seems like a goddamn library right now. Well, Sunday was different, you know, so um, energy was great. Just got to finish. Um, like Tyler said, I'm looking forward to playing these dudes again, uh, whether that's, you know, not just at their place, but also hopefully in the Big Ten tournament, maybe. So, yeah. um, you know, I'm looking forward to it. Purdue's a great opponent. Brain Smith is a, is a dog. Um, it's going to be one hell of a matchup. Yeah, for sure. So I'm going to go back to a handful of comments before I let Jake go. Uh, Michael said, loose balls just seem to find Purdue, which absolutely seemed to be the case. Like, just bounces and rolls just kind of seem to go Purdue's way a little bit. And that stuff happens. Like, I'm not, not saying that, like, Purdue got lucky or anything. That stuff happens. That's all within the realm of a basketball game. Um, and they kept making shots, which is true. Uh, he said, great insight. So good job, Mike. Uh, go Badgers. Wall was awesome. Agreed. There's that's all facts. Uh, Brett said, looking forward to the Bucks section. Yes, that is going to be fun. Uh, we're going to address some of the misconceptions with the Bucks. And then James said, people have been making the argument about that, referring to, um, college football versus NFL teams back to the sixties when college all-stars would play the NFL champs and won a few times. Like we still live in that world. I guarantee you people that would bring shit like that up would say that basketball is different because in the 90s they used to let like let people close on each other. 
probably the same people to bring that stuff up. Yeah, they used to take each other's socks and shoes off and tickle their feet before they would make a layup. I mean, <laughs> the hell are we talking about here, man? <laughs> yeah, yeah. As if the '60s aren't closer to a hundred years ago than they are to when they actually happened. Yeah, right. That's wild, actually. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Jake, what stood out to you from the Purdue game? <sighs> well, there's a lot of stuff. First of all. That man traveled and he was out of bounds. Just going to get that out of the way right now. Okay. That's whatever. He was out of bounds. I don't want to hear anything about it because he was definitely out of bounds. Um, first thing I'm going to talk about is Connor. Now, he got a lot of tough love this year and from the fan base, from the coaching staff, uh, probably from himself too, probably some critical thinking and, you know, self-reflection on his, on his own part. And I think that it's worth it because I think it's time to release Connor Asesian. Um, he's paying more attention on defense and I know that Max Klezman is much better on defense, but Max Klezman is either going to like carry you on offense or he's going to be super quiet. Six points. (laughs) And I feel like Connor is a guy that ultimately when he comes into the game, the defense has to pay attention to him. They know that he has the range and it spreads everything out a little bit, which is a good thing for guys like Tyler Wall and AJ store, right? Cause then you get bigger driving lanes. How so, would you feel? Let me just throw out a hypothetical in there. And, and I know they actually said that John Blackwell is questionable for tonight's game against Michigan, but yeah. how would you feel about John Blackwell and Connor Asijin being the first two guys off the bench so that you can maintain good defense with John Blackwell and also get a shooter on the floor and Connor Asijin. So if you take out Max and Chucky, that you're, you're not losing anything, you know, I mean, you're still losing defense because those two are both really good defensively, but yeah. you're still maintaining just as much potential offensive firepower. Well, then you're you also yeah you still you still keep the offense because Blackwell is really good in the corners, and he's actually the the person that made the one three pointer. The defense was mm-hmm. or the the bench was one for nine in this game. For, for Let him run a little more true point guard instead of he's he's playing say. more like a two almost. I agree with that. So so let yeah. him run a, let him run a little more true point guard and let. Let Connor run the two. You're seeing Blackwell bring the ball up a little more too, so as yeah. the season progresses, and hopefully, yep. I mean, hell, even starting next year, we could see that even more consistently, like starting know, and, and going small ball, um, which I could see, especially with Tyler leaving. So, I yep. mean, that's besides the point. But yeah, go ahead. So the reason I say that is he was bailing us out on a couple occasions. I mean, there there was one possession in the first half where the shot clock got down to one, and he had to take a, a tough baseline jumper mid-range and he just cashed it and I'm just like oh we don't have too many of those guys on our roster that are making that shot dude yeah mm-hmm. there, there's a there's two or three maybe that I can think of and it's probably one or two guys off the top of my head that would even take that shot with confidence right him and yep. probably AJ store probably AJ store yep come to yeah. maybe Max Max has hit some pretty tough mid-range buckets too Ma- Max that that was the uh, that was the two or three Max was the two or three so when when he's when Max is going, like don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to disrespect my boy Money Max, but when Max is going, dude, he's he's a microwave, bro. Look at James bringing up one of my my crown jewel comments that I always come back to: good defense, better offense is a thing. The way I phrase it, good offense beats good defense every time. Yeah, and that's that's kind of what I'm looking for with Connor, and I hope that they give him a little bit more run and give him some more opportunities. Let let him hunt his shot a little bit more. 
we need him to start making some shots because we've lost tough games against, you know, now number two, Purdue. We lost a tough game, Nebraska, the game before. We lost a tough game against Tennessee. And those are all games where we could Penn State. Yeah, Penn State. We could have used a couple more shot makers uh, to get us over the hump. So we're getting closer and closer to March. Obviously, it's February 7th today. So we're getting closer and closer to March. So we're going to need more shot makers and, and we're going to need a little bit more spacing for guys like Tyler Wall and AJ Stores. We get close to the Big Ten tournament and the big boy tournament, right? So then the next thing I want to talk about is the shot selection. And I'm not trying to dog Chucky. I'm really not. But one for six, 0 for one from three, six points, four rebounds, five assists. And the reason that I bring up his stats is because I felt like there was opportunities for Chucky to take some mid-range shots where he had guys on his hip, he had guys behind him, you know, chasing him basically after screens, and then he ends up passing the, the ball out. And then we, we work our offense and we have to force shots. So now – when I'm talking about shot selection, you have to take what the defense gives you. Chucky, if the defense is going to give you a 14-footer with a guy trailing you, shoot the damn ball, dude. Or put a floater up. Like, bro, create create havoc for yourself. You know what I mean? Like, I felt like there were so many opportunities. And I really should have went back and rewatched this. But in the second half especially, I felt like Chucky was getting downhill pretty well, especially off off some dribble handoffs, and he was able to get into the mid-range very easily, and they were kind of just willing to give that up, and he just did not want to shoot it. And it forced us into some bad shots, and it forced us to not look like the Wisconsin Badgers. And I didn't like any of that. I felt like we had a really big opportunity, and I said this to Mike. Tyler was on an airplane, so we wanted to talk separately and not ruin the game in case Tyler wasn't able to watch it. Yep. And I said this to Mike, and I was like, dude, we just missed our opportunity to take over this game. We had an opportunity after Purdue comes out after half, and they absolutely punch us right in the mouth. But to the Badgers' credit, they kept it close enough. And yeah. I felt like the Badgers had an opportunity between, like, the, the eight-minute mark and, like, the four-minute mark to really, really put a dent in and really take over this basketball game, get the lead, get the crowd behind them, almost like what Nebraska did to us. We could have flip-sided that and did it to Purdue. And we, we missed the mark. And it was because I think guys were just shying away from the moment. Maybe the moment was a little bit too big for Chucky. But I don't want to say that it was because we've seen him make big shots, especially against yeah. Purdue. If you guys remember that bang three-pointer mm-hmm. a couple years yeah. ago, that was fire. Yeah. So you just got to take the shots that the defense gives you. I feel like they were pressing a little bit because they saw the ranking number two versus number six. And just take the shots that they're giving you. Let's get Connor on the floor a little bit more because he will take those shots. I promise you that. If he gets a wide open mid range, he's pulling that thing. If he gets anything open at all remotely, he's pulling. He's, he's thirty eight <laughs> feet away. He's pulling. Yeah, he's, he's pulling it. That's the guy. That's the guy that he is, and that I think that's a little bit of the attitude that the the Badgers need right now. Where a couple of years ago with the Bucks, when they first started to become really dominant, it was a let it fly kind of mantra, and I feel like the Badgers could use a little bit more of that. Not like go crazy and shoot dunk. But, like, taking what they give you and just pull up, man. If Almost not so much, like, it feels like there's a little bit of rigidity where, like, they, the Badgers won a whole bunch of games and they're getting good shots and they're getting good ball movement that they're almost trying to, like, over-create good shots. Yeah. And so they're, like, they're trying to find the perfect shot every possession and they're passing up good, really good, high-quality shots to try to find the perfect shot. That's kind of how it feels to me. Yeah, I agree with that. 
All right. So the Badgers have not one, not two, but three games between now and next week. So we had a couple weeks where we only had one Badger game to talk about on Wednesday. Now between this week and next Wednesday, we have three. So they play tonight at Michigan, Saturday at Rutgers, and then Tuesday versus Ohio State. So that said, Mike, what are your two goals for the next three games? So we got three golden opportunities here to go 3-0. and mm-hmm. I don't, Without a doubt, I think we should go 3-0. and but that's up to us, right? My first, my first goal, we're gonna, we gotta play with a sense of urgency in this game. And I'm telling you right now, if we come out slow, I will not be happy in this group in our group chat tonight. Um, without a doubt, we we need to show, you know, after this two game losing streak, playing against two solid teams, that we're still that team, we we're still that top team in the Big Ten or top two or top three or whatever. Sure. We gotta come out with a sense of urgency and shit shit on Michigan at their place. Play with some urgency. We got to do it. Um, it's, I think it's the one way that to rebound from this last week. Um, you know, some of the great batter teams that we've even had, uh, whether it was a 2014 final four team or even maybe not the 2015 one, but the 20 final four, 14 final four team went through this, a, a similar stretch like this. I'm not going to do direct comparisons exactly, but you know, there is still a lot of hope with this team to go and do oh, yeah really good things i hope oh, yeah. people realize that but we were just kind of harping on, on some of those casual fans before yeah, so the, maybe the you know, 2020 take... team had stretches like that too exactly and they won com and they won conference so yep. come out with a sense of urgency tonight this is a great opportunity against a team that's struggling being michigan they're going to be cut they're going to be in desperate mode juan howard should be fired but i'm sure he's going to want to be a beat us tonight too but um you know hopefully we can shut them up so um number two i'm calling out an individual I'm calling out Stephen Krell. Um, unfortunately, I think these last two games he's been a little quiet from a scoring pers- from a scoring perspective and being aggressive. I mean, against Nebraska, he had one point. Against Nebraska, he had eight against Purdue, which is fine. It is what it is. But I want him to get angry and just make a freaking statement. It can be this game. It can be Rutgers, Ohio State. I want to see his ass get angry at somebody. Hell, get a technical foul. I don't care. I want to see him like whether it's dunk over somebody or just like, I don't know, just have a day. Um, I need him to, that goes along with my urgency comment, I guess too, but I just want to see him, you know, just take over a game. Whether it's one of these next three. Yeah. Been there. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. So I'm going to go next because you actually said one of the words that is one of my goals and that is to rebound. So that is on the floor. And as a team. So you brought up already the, the rebounding numbers against Purdue, but to just get back to Badger basketball and the winning ways. It's simple. Just rebound. And my second one, I have uh, written pretty big, pretty bold, and that is to just ride Tyler Wall. Holy hell. If you can any sort of way ride the momentum of how well Tyler Wall played against Purdue, do not stop giving him the ball. He, dude, I strongly agree with you when you said this could be the potentially the best game of his career or one of the best games of his career. I strongly agree. When you look offense, defense, passing, footwork, dude, it was all there. So my second goal is to just ride Tyler Wall, play through Tyler Wall because good things happen. Yeah. And I, I highlighted that even in the Nebraska game. He was out. Nebraska tied the game. He came in, 
Two turnovers were forced. Two threes were made, both assisted by Tyler Wall. So ride Tyler Wall. Jake, what are your two goals for next week? Well, you actually said one of mine. Uh, get back to Badger basketball, man. Let's run the offense. Let's play some tough defense. Let's go earn ourselves a couple road wins this week against some teams that are not as high in the rankings in the Big Ten um, that also whoop our ass in football pretty much every year. So we have to own them in one sport, I would say. <laughs> Although I think Michigan Michigan football is going to be on the downfall here pretty They're soon. In trouble. They're, they're in trouble. They're losing a lot, of, a lot of good coaches, and coaching matters. Uh, it matters a lot in pro sports, but I think it matters a little bit more in college sports because yep. you have to direct these young kids, right? Um, but then my next one is we need more efficiency from the bench, dude. And I've, we've been we've been harping on this for for weeks, this entire year basically. And everybody always talks about how deep this Badgers team is, and I agree, we got a lot of talent all over the place. But for the week, the bench scored. This is over two games, twenty one points. They grabbed fifteen rebounds and they had three assists. They shot 8 of 27 on field goals. That is 29%. And they shot 3 Gross. of 15 from 3. That is 20%. Gross. We need more efficiency. I'm not saying that we need 40 points from our bench. This isn't the NBA. But I will say that I need you guys to make 50% of your shots. You play 8 minutes. Dude, I'll, dude, I'll take literally for college basketball, I'll take 40% on field goals and 30% on threes. Yeah, yeah. but 29% 20%. That's just gross. That's disgusting. Yeah, that's not going to do it. I'm pretty sure my fat ass could get out there and give you 20% from the three-point line. So Yeah, that does not mama the Mia. <laughs> it does not mama the Mia. All righty. So, Mike, we will have you back next week, uh, hopefully discussing a handful of Badgers wins. Uh, so we will see you then. We are going to part before we let you go. Uh, there is reports slash news that Mike Vrabel could be a consultant, some sort of analyst around is the word around the Wisconsin Badgers football team, uh, as him and Luke Fickle were previously teammates. Um, so that is some very interesting news. So we will definitely keep an eye on that as that story progresses. But just wanted to throw that out there that, that we are aware of that and that it is very interesting. Very. I'm looking forward to that. Um, you know, even with making some of these new coaching hires recently, I love it. I mean, if you look at the offensive line guy, too, that was Blazic, I think his last name is. He's got mm -hmm. Midwest ties. He's got Wisconsin ties. He just had a podcast the other day uh, when he was at Winona State, I believe it was. His recruiting territory was northeastern Wisconsin. So he's familiar with, like, the area which where we grew up. So it was a great hire there. As you said, yeah, Vrabel coming into the picture. That's exciting as hell. Um, and even the receivers coach, uh, Guyton, I think, Guyton, yep, I forget Guyton. how you, yeah. Um, you know, he's got one hell of a background too with bringing in some dudes. So, um, with in addition to Vrabel, I'm very excited about the new coaching hires as well. Yeah, very interesting. Like I said, definitely something we'll keep an eye on uh, as the spring progresses. So, Mike, see you next week and uh, go Badgers. Yes, sir. Later, boys. All right. So, I'm going to tease this before we get to it. Um, this is what our special bucks segment is going to be this week is to address some misconceptions and uh, tell people to get a grip. So that said, Jake, let's run through these games quick. Uh, let's, let's just start with the Blazers game. Just hit me with your quick takeaways. We're just going to recap these really quickly. Just hit some of the main points. And then we're going to get to these misconceptions because people need to earmuffs. People need to chill the fuck out. Yeah. So people are going to go, <laughs> 
If uh, if you could all invite your friends that you think are casuals that are Bucks fans, that would be fantastic. This is definitely the time to do that. Uh, all those people you've been arguing with for the last two months that need to understand what, how basketball works, this would be the time to click the yeah. button to bring them in here. People um, that are catastrophizing. So Bucks in Portland, obviously, the main thing was Dane back in Portland. Um, the main thing that I want to take away from this is that I think it was a really good reset for Damian Lillard uh, to be around his family, be back in a place where he grew up, and he actually talked about that. So, uh, really, that's the main thing that I took away from this. I mean, Giannis played really, really good. Uh, Chris Middleton had a super efficient game, 9 of 13 from the field, and he had eight assists as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lopez, shot at the end. Just going to say, not great. But Let me say this. And I get that he said he thought Brogdon was closer to Dame. But let's not act like Brooke Lopez doesn't make shots like that because he made a three that cut the lead to four. Yeah. And he made a three that cut the lead to one. So he made two pretty clutch threes also in the fourth quarter of this game. Yeah, I mean, there's there's definitely worse options on this team in general. But, you know, when you get a guy like Damian Lillard back in the, the court where he got famous for Dame time, I mean, right? It's uh, it might be Dame time, you know what I'm saying? So I'd have to look too to see how many seconds were on the shot clock to see if Brook Lopez could have like pulled the ball down and like you know taken an extra second or two to look that way again yeah. before shooting that. But I don't think it's you know if we're talking like a zero to ten on shot quality. Everybody's acting like it's a zero, and it's much more like like a five. Yeah. So I just wanted to point this one last thing out. You know, the bench outside of Bobby Portis was awful. I mean, people always want to point out Bobby Portis this, Bobby Portis that. The bench outside of Bobby Portis had 6.7 rebounds, four assists. They shot two of 11. They were one for seven from three. Bobby Portis himself had 11-6. He was five of seven and one for two from three. So – all this Bobby Portis sucks. Get him off the team. Trade him. Get over yourself, dude. And there, there's one specific person I wish that we could invite in here, and I could just rip him a new one. Let me throw this out there too, because Bobby Portis, you know, has games like this. He has value, so he's going to be discussed in trade talks. Yeah, no, hundred percent. Just a just a fact of matter. Yeah. Um, I just want to go overall points in the paint. Portland at 56, the Bucks at 46. That's kind of uncharacteristic of the Bucks. Um, Portland, to their credit, made some crazy shots. Got, I'll say, some lucky bounces, kind of similar to the the Purdue game for the Badgers. Um, you know, just some bounces went their way. It's kind of what it is. You know, just is what it is. Next, I want to say um, the ESPN announcer has actually brought it up that Doc Rivers believes Chris Middleton to be one of the smartest players in the NBA. I agree. So when when people are and I agree with it as well. I mean, we see him talking to refs all the time, even when he's not in games. Like he's working stuff out. So again, all this, you know, trade Middleton for whatever you can get for him, just be done. And honestly, my thing overall in this game is I'm really not mad that the Bucks lost. Um, the Bucks just weren't efficient enough, and the Trailblazers, to their credit, were efficient. They lost by three. On a West Coast road, on a West Coast road trip game, I'm not I'm not gonna throw fits about it. They were pretty fundamentally sound. They only missed five free throws, 13 points off turnovers, and eight second chance points allowed to the Trailblazers for 26 fundamental failure points. Not gonna complain about that at all. 
Yeah. So just need to up the efficiency a little. Agreed. All right. Bucks and Mavericks. The the W on the week definitely one that produced some interesting takeaways, but we need to mention no Brooke Lopez. Him and his wife did have their baby now. So congrats to the Lopez's. But Jake, what's up to you uh, overall? Uh, we shot 56% from the field, damn near 57%, 56.8%. So that's awesome. Yep. Um, 64 to 40 in points in the paint. I mean, that's absolutely tremendous. Uh, that is that is the Bucks that we know. That does Mama the Mia. <laughs> 100% the Mama the Mia. Giannis 48, 6, and 10. Dame with 33 and 8. I mean, they combined for 78 points. I mean, that's ridiculous. That That is what we are, you know, we envisioned when we seen the, the ESPN ticker go across our phone and say that the Bucks traded for Damian Lillard, right? The Woj mom. I mean, that was that was what we envisioned, right? Standing up for Giannis goes a long way. Yeah, I agree. Oh, um, absolutely. We'll get into that one. That one's, that one's next game here. Um Man, I wasn't even going to touch that, but your dad brought it up now. Now I'm pissed off about it again. <laughs> Damn it. Um, you know, I just want to say that the 15-0 run at the end of the second quarter really created a lot of momentum for the Bucs when they were down 20. To go on a 15-0 run in like a two-minute span uh, really sparked this team. And it was defense in the offense, and it was the lineup with Giannis at the center position playing small ball. Jay Crowder is starting to get his legs under him a little bit more. Yep. So we're able to do that. We have the versatility now. So we haven't really seen that a lot this year. And that's the thing that's going to be scary about this team is they're finally going to be at home now. So they're going to get to sleep in their own bed. They're going to be around their families, you know, kind of like a reset for Dame going to Portland. That's going to be for the rest of the team now. And they're going to get the rest that they, they need, be around their trainers, go to the facility. I mean, Doc's going to be able to implement a lot of stuff. I and mean, we're going to get into some ins and outs here in a second, but, Giannis played tremendous. Dame played tremendous. Bobby had a double-double, even though he didn't shoot very good. I mean, can't really complain about this game, but I guess if you're Luka, you'll find a way. <laughs> you like I'm going to talk about Luka a little bit because <laughs> the the Mavericks at times were trying to target Damian Lillard with Luka. Luka shot two for seven from the field and guarded by Dame. Oof. So it's like he felt like he was being guarded by a guy who's not good defensively. So – in my mind, it made Luca feel like I need to score on this guy because he's not good on defense, which could potentially lure him into some bad shots. Yeah. Um, that said, Chris Middleton was the primary defender on Luca, which I think is very interesting, and I think he did a pretty good job. Uh, Luca was four for eight from the field, which is fifty percent. However, he was zero for three or zero for four, sorry, from the three point line. So Luca had eight points, two assists, and one turnover when guarded by Chris Middleton for over seven minutes of game time. I, I said last week that the legs are getting back and the two-way player in Chris Middleton is starting to arrive again. And let me throw this out there because Middleton kind of ran out of gas from the field. He was working really hard to get through screens and over screens while guarding Luca. So he was working his ass off. And... And I'll say this, and we'll talk about this too when we get into some other stuff, but we could see the transition defense improve in this game. And also with Luca, let's let's just talk Luca and, and coaching staffs. One of the biggest gripes that we had during the Budenholzer era and the brief Griffin era was adjustments. Luca had 40 points. Yes. 26 of them were in the first half. The second half, I'm going to go ahead and give Doc Rivers 
a whole scoop of credit for the adjustments that he made. With the Bucks throwing two defenders at him as soon as he crossed half court, forcing the ball out of his hands. Ooh, nothing's changed. Bullshit, nothing has changed. Right. You can literally see it in the games. Yeah. We're going to get to that in a minute as well. Now, <clears throat> I'm going to throw this out there also as a precursor to something we're going to talk about in last night's game. People complaining that Giannis is dirty because he dove for a loose ball and then Luca landed on his own ankle is dumb. Just It's, it's just dumb. People just got to let stuff go. So let me say the Bucks did out-assist the Mavericks 34-22, to which is really good. That, to me, says that the Bucks were forcing the Mavericks to play a lot of isolation ball, which generally isn't great when we've broken down tons of plays of great ball movement and the great shots have become out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you brought up Chris Middleton. He had some, had some bad bounces on some of his shots, and like I said, I think he kind of ran out of gas a little bit. Um, but eight assists, only two turnovers. So the next time Chris Middleton has a four-turnover game, people are going to be like, oh, Middleton, and all he has all these turnovers. But they're not going to talk about the game where he has eight assists and only two turnovers. So I will be that person to call that out. That's right. Let's talk Bucks and Jazz. Let's throw it to you from this one. First of all, everybody needs to calm the fuck down. We're on the second half of a back-to-back in Utah. Yeah. A few things. The Bucks suck in Utah. I can't explain it. It's just one of those things. You know, we did the whole thing with the Brewers. Baseball, right? It is sports. I don't I don't You can go back to like what 2001 and we've won in Utah like twice. I literally don't have an explanation for it. It's so stupid. But the only thing I can think of is the altitude. That's the only thing I got. It's just one of those things, dude. So sucking in Utah and on a second half of a back to back. Yeah. In in Dallas, Giannis played forty minutes. Chris Middleton didn't play in the in the Jazz game, but he played thirty eight minutes. Dame played thirty eight minutes. Uh, Beasley. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over three hundred thousand travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. 
Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Played 33 minutes, and Bobby played 31 minutes in Dallas. Then less than 24 hours later, you have to go to Utah and play a team that likes to get up and down and shoot lots of threes. Yeah. Yeah. That is tough. That's and tough. They controlled this game for a wide margin. They had they had complete control of this game. And then the legs died. That's really what yep. I think. I think the legs just died in the fourth quarter. The Jazz got their way. I I really I don't know what the refs were looking at during you know when Giannis is getting elbowed and what and he's talking shit after he elbows Giannis. I mean what what are we what are we looking at here, dude? And immaturity is what I was looking at. I agree, and I I agree with your dad that Beasley standing up for Giannis and he did it in a great way. He didn't swing, he didn't bump him. He just kind of like gave him like a yo dog like. Chill out, dog. Like you can't be hitting our guy like that, you know? Yeah. James said the battle of attrition, be serious. Man, it, it, it do be serious. <laughs> seriously, you, you would have thought the, the freaking sky was falling after that game, James. It was insane. The the people that have zero perspective of how hard it is to play an NBA game and win on the road in general. Because like we like Tyler was explaining before, that's still an NBA team. Yeah. And the Jazz, who did they just beat last night? Oh, the the Thunder. They beat the Thunder. No, that was the Bulls. Night. Nuh-uh. The Bulls beat the Thunder last night. It wasn't the Jazz? No, it was the Wolves. The Bulls beat the Wolves. Oh, it was the Bulls beat the Wolves. Yep, you're right. And the, thund- the Thunder lost a fourth-quarter lead to the Jazz yep. in Utah. Yep. So it's like it's – Thunder's not like trash. Utah. They're not contenders. They're not for real. Contenders, uh, frauds. So it's not like they're awful. And they were pretty good last year. They got some good players. They have all-star players. They have a lot of talent on that team. So for the Bucks to lose a second half of the back-to-back. Now, <laughs> excuse me. I will say the way that they lost it kind of sucked. That was hard to watch. But, again, when you when you take a step back, you know, with perspective and understand what these guys are going through physically, yep. make it a little bit more understandable. So, that's all I got. So, let me throw this out there. Um, the fourth quarter, to your point, was, was weird. Um, not something that's happened often, I would say. Um, the Jazz played their starters the entire fourth quarter. Uh, all 12 minutes, all five of them. Kind of a weird situation. Um, the Jazz definitely all rebounded the Bucks. Um, the Bucks just didn't have a strong paint presence. So you look at the points in the paint, the Jazz were plus 20 in points in the paint. Um, and let's – we already mentioned the longstanding struggles in Utah. We talked about that already. And we're going to talk about bench points as well, so I'm not going to harp on it here because we're going to talk about that in our in our special segment that we're doing today. Um, you already mentioned the follow calls besides the super obvious hacks. Unfortunately, that was a trend that continued last night, but we need to chill on people complaining about doc, not playing Marjan and Ajax enough. He's, he's learning the rotations 
of the players that obviously are going to play the bigger minutes. And he has outwardly said, literally in the first time he wore Bucks attire, that we're going to need one or both of them to play a role to contribute to the team to be successful. So it's not like Doc Rivers doesn't know they are there. He's going to work from the top down, and he's going to implement more things. you got to wait longer than five fucking games before we're just throwing all of this blind whining out there. So that said, let's talk about last night's game. So last night's game, Pat started for Dame. Chris Middleton unfortunately got uh, injured after eight minutes. Now, let me say this, because I just mentioned Giannis is not dirty for diving for a loose ball and Luka landing on his own ankle. Here we go. We're going to do the flip side of the coin. We're not going to call Kevin Durant dirty for his foot getting underneath Chris Middleton's ankle. KD is not dirty for that. He was not trying to do that. It should not be viewed as that case. Yeah, that was just KD trying to close out and his foot ended up underneath Chris. I don't think that he meant to roll his ankle. Right. But it is what it is, man. That's Uh, unfortunate. That's why they made it a flag and foul. So the guys are going to be more aware of it in the future. It's still going to happen, though. That's the Zaza Pachulia play. Right. Well, that the intent on that one could be measured differently. <laughs> yeah, but that's why it became a flagrant because of Zaza Pachulia. Right, that's why they made it a flagrant. Okay, so uh, James said, I think people forget that uh, humans are moving on the court and things happen incidentally, and that's that's true. And you can look at look where people's eyes are when those things happen. That tells you their intent. Hold on, they're not just humans. These guys are huge. When you, specifically, when you're talking about Giannis and, and Kevin Durant, these guys are seven feet tall. Like when you James, and I don't know how tall you are in real life. Never met you in real life. When you see a guy that's like six six, is that huge for you? Now imagine a guy much bigger than that, and his his shoulders are wider, and they got muscles out to here, and their hands are a foot and a half long. I mean. These guys are huge, dude. <laughs> yeah. And we, hey, if, if you've ever seen the photo of Kevin Durant when he's on the Nets, he's, you're 5'8. So 6'6 six, six would be gigantic. Now imagine a seven footer. And the, and the craziest thing to me, this has always been crazy to me. This is a little random, but you see the court, right, on the TV, and you're like, man, that thing looks, looks pretty big, man. And you're like, man, that's the same size court you always play on. You're like, that's wild that they fit all those seven footers on there, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I'm trying to have court vision around that. And Lucas six seven, so it's not like that was a small guy, you know, wrestling with Giannis on the floor there. So these guys right. are fucking huge, man. Yeah. Um yeah, and that's that's why it's a rule, like we said. And that's why it's a rule, that's why it's a flagrant foul is to make guys more aware of it. And we still being aware of the rule doesn't mean people are going to break it, like aren't going to break it. And I'm going to say I still don't think it was intentional. Hold on, I'm gonna Just like you. any any personal follow can be viewed that way. The guys know it's a rule, but it's still going to happen. I'm going to respond to my dad. Here's the flip side to that, dad, is if KD doesn't contest that, then all the people that watch basketball in the 80s and 90s are going to be like, there's no defense in today's NBA. But now, because he contested it, 
Hey, Durant, Durant, muscles, Durant muscles look pretty big on that dunk. I won't lie. He was flexing a little bit. Um, They're just spread he, out because he's so long. But he, he isn't very muscular. But but because he contested it and his foot ended up where it ended up, and his foot is like the size of a freaking small boat, you know, do a flyby, everybody gets mad at Pat Connaughton. Oh, yeah. And, Dad, you, you, you watch Tyler and I play high school basketball. How many times have you heard us say, Herzog, no flybys? <laughs> well, and the other thing with that is, and if you're jumping out at a shot like that, doing the flyby, that just leaves your rest of your team to play five on four. If that turns into a pump fake, you are literally playing five on four with your other guy standing at half court running back into the play. So it, it shouldn't be the flyby. It should just be a high hand closeout instead of jumping at the shooter. As well, it's I'll kind say. of a lose-lose situation, honestly, if you really think about it. Right. You know, that's, it, I mean, that's what offenses are supposed to do. They're supposed to put defenses in lose-lose situations. It, it sucks that it happened to us, and it sucks that it happened to Chris when he was finally starting to get his legs under him. Right. But, you know. Kevin Durant think, isn't dirty for it. I don't think he is. Don't look um, the last thing that I want to say on last night's game is I want to give Cam Payne some credit. That dude, that dude was, he was working hard. On, on offense and defense last night. Yeah, he was. Um, flyby is better than a flagrant. And again, you're, you're not... But the flagrant, and I get, yes, the flyby is better than the flagrant, but when you're doing the contested shot, obviously you're not planning on him landing on your foot. Right, right. So, I mean, it's they're not equally likely to happen. Yeah. It's kind of a chance thing when a guy lands on somebody else's foot. All right. What do you? Anything you want to say on the Bucks and Suns game before we get into these misconceptions? Uh, Giannis was carrying, and Giannis had at least two dunks better than the Kevin Durant dunk, but only the Kevin Durant dunk is surfacing around the internet. So shocking. I, I, don't, I don't know. Yeah, uh, it's probably because Giannis dunked on Drew Eubanks and Bull Bull, and Durant dunked on Giannis. That's probably why. To be honest. Well, and 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 I'll say this: people keep sharing the. The video of who the heck was it? Nurkic covering Giannis, and he turns around and Giannis misses a three pointer. But they won't show the one where he did that and Giannis made the three pointer. Or they won't show the plays where Giannis drove right past Nurkic and scored on him very easily. So mm-hmm. this is where we talk about where people creating all these false narratives, and it's just bullshit, man, honestly. We've talked about this because, you know, we've talked about this, I'll say honestly, more often with the Packers than anything, but is when people want to try to say something they will completely ignore any evidence to the contrary. And what we've said, and what I personally believe about that, is that it's intellectually dishonest. And I'll use Josiah DeGuara as an example. Is People are like, oh, why are we keeping him? Just caught him, just caught him, just caught him. And people will use like the block field goal as an example of why he should be caught, or the one block where he was just trying to dive into somebody as, as an example of why he should be caught. But then they will completely ignore any time that he makes good blocks or blocks that spring guys for big gains, things like that. So when it comes to making claims on things, you have to at least be willing to acknowledge uh, things that go the opposite way. If you're trying to push this narrative, you, it doesn't take but a second to just say, now I will say on this play, he did well on the thing that I'm saying he's not doing well at. It's not, it's not hard. Um, James said, if my critics saw me walking over the Thames, they'd say it was because I couldn't swim. And that's the thing is people are going to find a reason to discredit what you're saying, no matter what. 
That said, we're going to discredit a bunch of things. <laughs> but these are misconceptions. And here we go again to the mainstream media aspect of it with sports is Doc Rivers' record with the Bucks. He took over on day one of a five-game West Coast road trip. And right away, the main news outlets are, oh, the Bucks are one in four since hiring Doc Rivers and ignoring all context involved. And obviously that gets shared and people see it because, you know, those outlets say like Bleacher Report or, you know, whatever outlet it might be have large followings. Mm-hmm. And because they have large followings, people see their stuff more often and they'll just run with it because it's a graphic that looks funny and ignore all context. So we are here to provide that context. So the first misconception we're going to start with is Doc Rivers' record since taking over for the Bucks. So, Jake, what are you feeling? What are you feeling on this misconception? All right, so let's go game by game, right? The West Coast road trip. Uh, We just fired our coach, so that's a transition. Uh, We have an interim coach. That's another transition. And now you're on your third coach within two weeks. And you're on a five-game, 10-day West Coast road trip. Yep. I want to talk about things that are difficult to deal with. <laughs> so, the first loss against Denver, they're legitimately the defending champions. Yep. I don't need to say anything else. They they're lost by what, six? Defending champs. Like, what? You're mad about that, bro? <laughs> then we go to Portland, right? That was an emotional game for Damian Lillard, man. And we gave our thoughts on that. And in my opinion, if if there was one other game that we could have won, it was it was the Portland game. But I don't mm-hmm. think the Bucks played very well. Um, then you go to Dallas. Like I said, <laughs> you go to Dallas. Great come from behind W. Awesome. That was a great good, game. Good stuff, right? Then, like I said, you play a back to back in Utah, in a place where we've always struggled. And by the way, I looked it up. The Bucks all time. All time, all games in Utah have won there 19 times. Yeah. Huh, cool. Which, in a weird way, is going to be more wins than the Pistons get this year. So, had to throw that out there. Um, <laughs> so, then you get to the Phoenix game. We're missing three of our five starters. Yeah. I mean, we started the game missing two of them. We missed Brooke for a lot of games. Damian Lillard gets banged up in Utah with a little yep. mini poster at the end of the game. Then Chris Milton goes out eight minutes into the game. Yep. I mean, what what do we complain about? I mean, Denver, good. Portland, they're upstart. So Dallas should be better than they are. Utah, they're about what their record is, but they're really good at home and the Bucks suck there. And then Phoenix, they have three superstar offensive players. I'm not going to say superstar players. But on the offensive end of the floor, they're superstars. Yep. Bradley Beal and Devin Booker are not the greatest on defense. But, bro, th- this is a tough stretch to come into. Now, yeah. the Bucks are about to start like a homestand. They're going to get home. They're going to they're going to do their thing. Like I I am going to watch closely to the next couple weeks. By the yep. way, my favorite part about all this is no, I don't enjoy losing. But the team is definitely getting better, and we have a different mm-hmm. situation there as well. But yep. the all the casuals are coming out in waves right now, dude. Mm-hmm. And it honestly is just – it's really hard. It's like when you're playing zombies on COD, right? Like, okay, one or two, you know, uh, take them down, right? 
all of a sudden you have 15 coming at you, bro. Like things start getting a little hectic, man. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's the scenario I put it up in your head. But think about it like that, though, dude. You're arguing with one casual. Then you have another. Oh, my God. The casuals are cod zombies, bro. Oh, my God. I mean, they probably have the same brain capacity, but. Probably make the same noises, too. <laughs> probably. But, I mean, two of them, you're like, all right. I could, I could deal with a double team. I've scored on a double team before in my life. Oh, you got you got three, four more coming. It's kind of bad, bro. <laughs> oh, shit. James said, not going to defend Doc, although I do like the guy. But being a coach isn't as easy as coach coaches think it is. A lot of things aren't. It's like playing chess without really having control of your pieces. And this is the thing. They've had literally one actual practice. Yep. One. Yep. Chris talked about it in, in some of his interviews where he's saying they're basically trying to have a, a mini training camp in the middle of a season. That's tough. That's super tough. The players have never done anything like that. The coach has never done like that. The staff has never done things like that. Right. So we're in some new ground here. And now I know when this first happened that Adrian Griffin was fired, that when Doc Rivers takes over, we were going to give it probably, what, two weeks, I think is what I said. Yeah. I was going to give it at least two weeks. Yeah. And it's been one week. Yep. So need to relax on that. And now we've already touched on this a little bit with, with we talked about the Badgers and with the Bucks. Stop saying they lost to XYZ, so they're not going anywhere. We need to stop doing that. Case in point, the Thunder losing to the Jazz that the Bucks just lost to, and the Timberwolves losing to the Bulls. Anybody can beat anybody because these are all professional basketball players. Yep. So that's that. James said at the end of the day he brought us a title. I can't hate him. That's, that's fair. Okay. Misconception number two. Jake, I'm going to let you start on this one because I feel a little bit more strongly about it. But after the Suns game and Chris Milton rolling his ankle, Chris uh, calling Chris Middleton injury prone. Where do you come down on this misconception? All right. God, let me tighten the hat. Okay, so this is this is the hat that says champions, by the way. So mm. um, did you motherfuckers forget who you're talking about? This man averaged... 24.6 rebounds and five assists in the NBA Finals. He scored 40 in the Finals. Mm. Big-time buckets. Did you forget who you're talking about? No, the injury sucked, and every injury is different, mm -hmm. and everybody's body reacts to it differently. You know, just look at the David Bakhtiari situation, man. I mean, that guy's body's rejecting a lot of stuff. Oh, God, dude, James, I couldn't even imagine, dude. Celtics fans are insufferable the way it is. I can't imagine all the whining that goes on in those groups. But <clears throat> calling Chris Middleton injury prone when he literally landed on somebody's foot is the second dumbest thing I've heard in the last 24 hours. And everybody is so lucky that I was in a football debate last night because otherwise it would be the dumbest by far. I, dude, people better hope that I don't see somebody calling Chris Middleton injury prone for landing on Kevin Durant's foot. I literally <laughs> – if it wasn't for somebody saying they got their football <laughs> opinions from people at the casino, this would be the dumbest <laughs> thing. And yes, that is real. Somebody, somebody yeah, somebody said that. I well, showed Tyler the proof. I've seen that the receipts. That that is the second dumbest thing I've seen. He landed on somebody's foot. What do you want him to do? Like 
magically start floating and be like, oh, nope, there's a foot there. Let me put my foot over here. Like, what are there's we literally no control involved in that. What are we doing here? So and that can happen to literally anybody. I agree. James said, first off, I hate the term injury prone, but also when I hear that and people are in freak accidents, I'm just done. And that's that's where we're at. Yeah, that's exactly exactly what happened to Chris Middleton. That was a freak accident. That was a bang yep. bang. Chris Middleton hit a three earlier in the game. Yep. I mean, this is still pretty early, but he already hit a three and a mid range. So KD's like, man, I'm not letting this guy heat up. I've seen this before. So he tries yep. to do a hard closeout and he lands on his foot. It is what it is. It sucks. Yeah. Could what happen to anybody. Exactly. Now I'm gonna give the floor to you because I feel like you're about to cook right now. I do. I said what I I said what I said. I swear, if I see one person call Chris Middleton injury prone when they announce that he's gonna miss two weeks with an ankle sprain, because that's where I'm that's where I'm feeling. Like there's nothing. The 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 X-rays were negative, so he doesn't have anything broken or torn or anything. So it's gonna be an ankle sprain. So I'm gonna say he's probably gonna miss like ten days to two weeks. I swear to God, when that announcement comes out. That Chris Middleton is going to be reevaluated in in two weeks or something like that, and people are like, "Oh, we should have traded him when we had the chance because he's injury prone." I will lose my shit. I promise you. Like, I there's times where like I'm dealing with people that are dumb, and I you know I show some restraint and I try to be try to be snarky the nice way. If I see people calling Chris Middleton injury prone for landing on Kevin Durant's foot, something he had literally no control over, I am going to lose it, and I will. I will be mean. Not even going to hesitate. I'll be mean to people because you deserve it if you're going to say that Chris Middleton is injury prone for landing on somebody else's foot. Right. That is just just pure, like 100% organic stupidity. It's like people getting offended when they say something stupid and you call them stupid. Like, well, what what are you, was I going to call you smart? <laughs> no, you're stupid and you should be told so. Exactly. So that you stop doing stupid shit like saying Chris Middleton's injury prone for landing on Kevin Durant's foot. <laughs> Something he had no control over. Agreed. All right. So you wanted to bring this third one up. Um, I don't It's not an announcer's jinx. Like I said, it can happen to anybody. And he's looked great in other games and hasn't gotten hurt. So I don't know that I'm going to go as far as to call it a jinx. Anyways. The third misconception, this one you wanted to talk about. Oh, sorry. The fourth one is the one you wanted to talk about. This one, this one we came up with together. The quote-unquote, nothing has changed since Doc River has taken over. All right. I'm going to cook. Are you ready? Here we go. Go for it. Numbers. Oh, and just wait till the game is washed, dude. I have so many things to debunk. Yeah, yeah, that's the next one. I almost got ahead of myself. Sorry. I'm so sick and tired of, of, of people saying that, too. So, <coughs> there. This is according to Clean the Glass on Twitter, right? They 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 put the stats on there. Yeah, it's um, a good site. It is. It's great. They they have a lot of really really good stuff on there, and all these Marcus Johnson right? references it all the time. Uh, a lot of casuals could could learn some things from that. So, through January twenty third, defensive rating was twenty first in the league at one seventeen point eight. Turnover percentage was thirtieth at eleven point four. <laughs> and defensive rebound percentage was 18th at 73.2%. Now, since 124, defensive rating 10th. Top 10 defensive rating, 115.1. I'll play. Turnover percentage, 12th. Up from 30th to 12th at 13.5%. Defensive rebound percentage went up literally 3%, and it went from 18th to 
to seventh at 76%. They've also jumped from 30th to seventh in percent of plays run against their defense in transition. So I have a couple more numbers for you. So opponent points off turnovers. The Bucs are now seventh in the NBA at 12.6. Opponent second chance points. The Bucs are 10th at 11.8. Some of these games are without Brooke Lopez. Those are the fundamental failures right there. Those two. That's two out of the three. Opponent fast break points. The Bucs are fourth since Ooh. Scott took over. 12.2. And points in the paint. The, I know the Bucs were 25th in this one. And they're up to number 12. So they've cut it in half, essentially. They've cut it in half. And that's with three games without Brooke points in the paint. We don't even know how Doc's really going to utilize Brooke Lopez on defense. I'm actually really excited to see that. So the fact that you sit there and say that nothing has changed really sits the wrong way with me. Because if you're watching these games, if you watch these games in November and December, and then you watch these games you know, in mid-January, and you're watching them now at the start of February, there's no way you can tell me that nothing has changed. The defense the case, and the effort is there. The case in point is the Dallas game. And to your point, you mentioned it without Brooke Lopez. Seriously, yeah. if you think nothing has changed, watch watch the Dallas game. Just re-watch the game from Saturday. The Bucks, they their defense is completely different. Yeah. You can see the transition defense is different, and you yeah. can see the way that they double-team superstar ball handlers – like Luka Doncic, ball-dominant players, it's different. And to the point, it's it's going to work a little bit differently against Phoenix because, like you said, they have three guys who are superstars on offense, whereas Dallas is kind of built more on playing around Luka and Kyrie. Mm-hmm. So when the Bucks kind of took Luka away from, from Dallas, they struggled a little bit, and the Bucks were able to come back from a huge deficit. So like I said, case in point, if you think nothing has changed, just rewatch the Dallas game. Yeah, and I remember when we we had our intervention probably two, three weeks ago now at this point. Um, the one thing that we kept bringing up about stopping the transition because transition defense was a problem for the last couple of years. We both said one simple little phrase: "Get your ass back on defense." Yep. And you know what? I bet you Doc said that, but with a lot more words, and he was much louder. <laughs> okay. So let's let's talk number four. Number four is people saying that Damian Lillard is washed. Yeah, we're not doing that. I want to know your thoughts. I want to let you go on this one because I think you're going to have more to say. And I have just I have just one question to ask uh, that is uh, some introspection. So, okay. so Dame is washed, right? Well, if Dame is washed. Why are the Bucks now 0 and 4 when he's not in the lineup? Why are the Bucks 13 and 1 when Dame scores at least 30 points? Maybe he's got 30 14 times this year. Yeah. 13 Damn. and 1 when he at least 30. That snuck up on me a little bit. Wow. The Bucks are 10 and 14 when Damian scores less than 25 points. So when he scores less than 25, the Bucks are an under 500 team. They need hmm. this man to score. They are 23 and 3 when he hits 25. He literally says to score 25, and we're elite. Huh. Okay. Nuts. So, one other thing I'm going to bring up here. (laughs) The Bucs, without Damian Lillard, what do you think their points per game average is? Not very good, by the way. 108. They average 108 points per game without Dame on the floor. 
With Damian Lillard on the floor, the offense averages 124. Nice. They go, they go from 108 to 124 just from having him on the floor. And then you've heard the numbers. If he scores 30, we're 13 and 1. You basically lost as the other team. The one loss was against the Knicks on Christmas Day, I believe. Okay. And the Bucks defense gave up 129 points that day. Yeah. So you're not going to win many games giving up 129, right? And obviously, uh, Horse knew that. A lot of Bucks fans knew that, which is why we made the change in the in the coaching staff, right? Right. So we just gave you all the defensive stats and how the defense is improving. Now, if we could just figure out how to get Dame and Giannis to just and I said it before, people were complaining that Doc was going to spam the pick and roll with Dame and Giannis. Is that really a bad thing? We said that. Is that a bad thing? I, I, is that they're really both, a bad thing? They're both among the best in the league at doing those respective roles. Why are we complaining that they're going to do that more? And then on top of that, the you create wide open shots for Malik Beasley who's shooting damn near 50% from the corner on threes. And Chris is that Middleton. Really a bad thing? Come on. And man. Jay Crowder. And Bobby Portis. If and Brooke Lopez. Right. If they continue this effort on defense and they rebound and they get back on defense and, and they do what they're supposed to do on that end, and we spam the pick and roll with Damon Giannis on the other end, and we're averaging 124 points per game. Yeah, splash ball. We're winning a lot of games. Yeah. Point blank, period. And, and let me say this, is if you don't think that that's possible or you think it's going to take a lot of time, which we think it's going to take some time, yeah. Just turn your TV off for a month. Yeah. Just leave everybody else who actually wants to watch the team grow and improve incrementally. Leave them alone instead of doing all this, oh, we're not going anywhere because we lost you know, four out of five games on a West Coast road trip after a new coaching staff and a bunch of guys missing games. It, it almost makes you feel like the Packers when the Packers were 2-5 and five and everybody was like, this, they suck. Dude, you're gonna get number yep, this team, this, you know, this guy's not the guy. This team's not going anywhere, whatever. We're going to draft a quarterback. It's like... Yeah. Okay, then just don't watch the rest of the year because I yeah, really just, don't want to listen to you fucking cry for the next two months, dude. Yeah. So, yeah, that's what I've been telling people. Just turn your TV off until April if you don't want to actually like watch the team incrementally improve because they're already improving. Yes, they are. Even though the record hasn't shown it yet, the team is improving and the players feel that way. Like Giannis has literally talked about it that the team feels different. Yeah. And my thing is. Is if you're going to continue to talk shit about players, just ask yourself this question. Do you think that saying shit like that is going to make other superstars want to come to Milwaukee? We've had this discussion before. When it comes to being a small market city, and even though the Bucks are currently good, and being good attracts talent. There are going to be times where the Bucks are bad. They could just be bad. They could be in the middle. They could be teetering on, you know, playoff team versus contention. Playing. And then you get into things like intangibles. Mm -hmm. Weather. Wisconsin, not great during basketball season. No. You get into things like, say, nightlife, for example. Milwaukee. Sure, there's some. Compared to L.A. or Miami, not a contest. Not even close. And even if you get into some where you know, they're similar, let's say Dallas, for example. 
You think somebody would rather be in, in Wisconsin than in Dallas, Texas in February, in January? Uh. <laughs> we we need to, as a small market, we need to have intangibles. And I will die on this hill because it's proven with the Packers that people are the number one intangible when it comes to things like sport free agent decisions. Obviously, money is a factor. But when you get into things where there's sports where teams have salary caps, besides baseball, which is just a totally different situation, which we'll talk about in a future episode. But if we're talking basketball or football, and two teams can offer you the same thing, and one team has a reputation of their fan base talking shit about their players when they don't play well, and the other team has a reputation of lifting their players up when they're not playing well, which one do you think they're going to choose? It's true. People are easily the biggest intangible. Giannis, to this day, even though that dude is probably worth a billion dollars at this point, will still talk about the people. He talks about he can go to the Wisconsin State Fair and people will let him be a person. Yeah. People matter. So if you're going to be shitty people, why would anybody want to come here? And let me tell you, if this ever happens in, say, 2035, when somebody chooses, say, Philadelphia or L.A. or Miami over a Milwaukee team, and they say it's because the people are shittier here, you deserve that. If that's how you're going to act and carry yourself. That is why we care at Wisco Fanatics, why we care so strongly about the representation of our fan bases, because that shit is fucking important. Well, and then on top of that, dude, like we've had this discussion too. And we like to, we like to incorporate sports life with real life, right? Mm -hmm. Don't be a piece of shit. <laughs> I mean, I'm just going to be real blunt about it, man. I mean, you got people in all walks of life going through crazy stuff, man. Like, mm -hmm. I, I can go to work, and, and there, there's people that I don't know what they're going through, right? But at the end of the day, I'm just going to be nice to them. I'm going to treat them with the respect that they deserve because they're a goddamn person. Yep. And that's exactly how we should treat these athletes, man. They're still people. Yep. You know, when you, when, and we always talk about Giannis. That's somebody's dad. That's somebody's brother. Like, mm -hmm. you know, that, that – yeah, that's somebody's son. I mean, don't forget about the, the example we've come back to when it comes to athletes or people is Keston Hira. Yeah, when sure. people were dogging Keston Hira for the entire summer of 2021 while his mom was dealing with cancer, like fuck's sake, like can we just actually be people? Sure. And the bottom line is, sports are entertainment. Exactly. You know. And, so, yeah. and yeah. seriously, being a good person costs nothing. Seriously, just be good people. Let's treat people with respect. And at the end of the day, this is entertainment, okay? Yeah. So let's just remember that when you're turning on your TV, oh, God. And I have a absolute zero tolerance, less than zero if it was possible, with college kids. I swear to God, dude, not, seriously, nothing pisses me off more than when I see a bunch of people ragging these college kids because my son's going to be one of those one day. Mm-hmm. And it'll be really hard for me to hold back online if I see somebody talk shit about my son. Because I know how hard he works and how badly he wants it. Right. And that's, that's on top day. of having a full, a full school workload as well. So, 
let's just not talk shit about athletes. Let's just be people. And I swear to God, I go crazy on the on the Badger page and people talk shit about the, about the college kids. We're not doing that. These kids are like 18, 19, 20 years old. Yeah. And if you're talking like that at 48, I can promise you, you sucked ass at 20. Sorry. But let's let's leave it at this on this one. Is like I said, when guys are struggling, lift them up instead of throwing rocks at them. Agreed. All right. Last misconception that we're going to talk about is the bench. Now, this one, man, you don't even have to do any research for this one. No. You could just think about the games. Yeah. What's up, Tim? Um, let's the, the bench. Let's talk about the bench. So, two out of the five games, the bench have filled starters' roles. Yeah. And even more so when you get into last night when – Damian Lillard's not playing and Brooke Lopez isn't playing, so you're already down two, and then you lose a third one. Yeah, yeah you, you don't say that the bench scoring is going to be down a little when you got three bench guys filling in for three starter roles. But how, oh my God, how do you not realize that? Yeah. Going all the way back to Dallas when Brooke Lopez was out, sure, Brooke Lopez isn't dropping 20 or 30 regularly, but he averages like 14 points. And a lot of shot contests, you know. I mean, I'm I'm talking strictly just scoring. Okay. Because you take Bobby Portis, who's averaging like what ten to twelve points, and then he has to move into Brooke Lopez's role. So that's twelve points moving out of your starting rotation, off of your bench, into your starting lineup. So yeah, your bench is losing points per game because they are filling starters' roles. I can't believe that this has to be explained. Wild, honestly, it's wild, dude. What's up, Beard Wisconsin? Uh, good looking out. They're sending us, uh, they're sending some goodies, so I'm interested to see what that looks like. But my other thing on the bench, and and we talked, uh, just said you you can't expect bench players to fill starters' roles and then the bench scoring to not change. Like, what, what sense does that make? Mm. And my other thing is. There is no way in hell you can realistically expect any basketball team, for that matter, to be elite three deep at any position. Right. And then last question that I'm going to to pose for people who are whining about the bench while starters are missing. When we get to playoff time, how, how deep do you think the playoff rotation is going to go? Probably eight. Probably eight. It's usually what it is. It's usually eight and sometimes nine if you're like maybe nine. If you're super deep team. Yeah. <laughs> and we're talking about complaining about our what, 10, 11, 12 bench players? Because yeah. Bobby has been forced into a major role, Jay Crowder has been forced into a more major role, and Pat Connaughton has been forced into a more major role. Right. So those those are your three. That's your eight. Yeah. So we are now complaining about 9, 10, 11, 12 players in the rotation. Yeah, the Cams, the AJ Greens, the Ajax, the Marjans. I mean, Robin Lopez. Robin Lopez. Um, I'll let you give your point on the bench, and then we're going to answer Steve's question. Okay. So I went from a different angle, so I appreciate the angle that you came from. But when you're just thinking about the bench, and you're thinking about, you know, if you put your GM hat on, which I know it doesn't fit some of you, 
uh, because you have air in your head and it kind of deflates it. But man, I'm being mean today. I'm so sorry. Some people have the dunce cap in the way, so there's that. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'll I'm take a step further. Let's just call it. Look, I see it, man. <laughs> but you got Bobby Portis. The guy is six ten. He can play tough down low. He can spread the floor. I mean, those guys won't just grow on trees. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh, on top of that, he's the mayor of Milwaukee, and he's the president of Milwaukee, so of the United States. So um, those guys won't just grow on trees. So let's not just just give them away for nothing. Okay. You get Pat Connaughton, um, hustle player, spot up shooter. Showed that he had some versatility last night by playing some dog. Players, so, yeah, dog. And then what I'm going to say about Pat and Pat and Bobby, guys are champions. Yep. Don't you ever disrespect the heart of a champion. Better watch your damn mouth when you talk about my boys like that. I love Pat and I love Bobby. And if they get traded yep. today, I'm going to be really sad, man, <laughs> because. A part of that championship team for 2021 is going to be gone forever. Yep. And, or, or at least for the rest of the year. At least for the rest of the year. And I love them. I love them a lot, man. I, I appreciate everything that they've done. And I didn't even say hustle player for Bobby, but that's what he is, right? He's he's a hard worker. Mm-hmm. You know, those are those are the, those were those people. Jay those Tyler. are two guys who literally will and literally have bled for the team. Hundred percent. You get to Jay Crowder. Jay Crowder is a versatile defender. Dog. He to play a lot of he is. He allows us to play a lot of different lineups. He could be a spot up shooter. He could play tough down low. Um, he's obviously a, a very good uh, high high IQ basketball player with his passing and his mm-hmm. extra passes. So people don't really appreciate that about Jay Crowder. But if you watch, we you do. notice that he's he's a good player. So like you said, those are your top three. You're not sitting too bad if that's your top three on a championship roster. You get to right Cam. now they're playing three, four, five instead of six, seven, eight. Exactly. Now you get to Cam. Um, Cam's been playing a little feisty the last couple of days, right? And when we came, I think like a guy who knows he might get traded. To be honest yeah, with you, exactly. <laughs> um, when we came into the season, the, the thing that I liked about him is that he plays a little bit quicker, so you can kind of push the pace a little bit more, get us in the offense. And he he got away from that for a while, but now he's recently starting to get back into it, and I think it's making him play better. He plays better when he speeds up. That's fair. Um, so he he's got he's got to continue that and he's got to continue that confidence and he's got to make his three pointers, especially the wide yeah. open ones when people are doubling on Giannis and you're wide open in the corner. Those are the ones you got to cash. And then every once in yep. a while he shoots a three with a guy on him and he makes it. And I'm just like, you make no sense. You you get to AJ Green, right? This is a very interesting guy. He's got an NBA body. He can pull up from anywhere. Very very good spot up shooter. If he at some point figures out how to attack the rim off the dribble and finish, he's going to be a serious role player. He would be Austin Reeves. He Yes, he would be a serious, serious role player. Um, maybe starter like Austin Reeves. I, I, I like that. I didn't think about that. Um, you get the guys like Andre Jackson Jr. That guy is so wet behind the ears, dude. It's not even funny. I mean, everybody Marjan wants to complain. Too. Yeah, Marjan too. <laughs> everybody wants to complain about where this Bucks team is and losing games. Do you really want to be putting the responsibility of these big games as we're getting deeper into the season on a rookie and a second-year player? Is that what you're telling me right now? Do you want to win a championship or do you want to develop young talent? Because <clears throat> you're not getting both, I promise and you. And let me throw this out there. Is Do you want them just pushed into the deep end or do you want to teach them how to swim first? That's true. I mean, You've got to work them in gradually, and that's what Doc Rivers is doing with A.J. Green. Yeah. Just because he's not starting with Marjan and Ajax doesn't mean he's not working young players into the rotation. He's just starting with AJ Green. 
yeah, who knows? He he could go into the next week and play, take all the AJ Green's minutes and put it on Andre Jackson Jr. and see how that fits. I mean, that's a great thought. That was that was very smart of you. He's uh, testing rotations. Yeah, that that's the thing that you got to do going into the playoffs because you got to know what situations guys thrive in and where you can match guys up. So, nope, we're gonna take five games and project them onto the rest of the season. That's what we're gonna do instead. Yeah. I think the Bucks have interesting roster makeup, honestly. And I don't mm-hmm. think it's as bad as everybody th- is saying. But Green, with Martin, starters, so. and Andre Jackson Jr. are three interesting guys to watch for the future, see mm-hmm. if they can develop with, with a guy like Giannis and Damian Lillard. Mm-hmm. That could really take this this roster into new heights if those guys develop. But, again, I don't think the, I don't think the top eight is as bad as people say it is. No. It's – people get whiny when the top eight – become, you know, the top two plus, you know, four through 11. Can we can we touch on something real quick? Sure. I get that everybody's in love with Dante DiVincenzo right now because he's playing really, really good basketball. Mm-hmm. The Bucks had to make a decision at that time, okay? Mm-hmm. They had to decide between Pat Connaughton and Dante. Dante was injured. Pat Connaughton was making big boy plays. Mm-hmm. And he continued to make big boy plays on the mm-hmm. way to a championship. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I have to say this so loud. They won a ring. The choice was correct. Bottom line. And then you want to talk about Grayson Allen. Why would we get rid of Grayson Allen? He's leading the league in three-point percentage. He fits on their roster. Really he's, good. He's literally the fourth option with three, to your point, superstar offensive players. You don't think he's going to get good looks playing with Beal, Durant, and Booker? Yeah. You really don't think that there's going to be – you really think there's going to be a lot of defensive attention on Grayson Allen when you're playing against Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, and Bradley Beal? Exactly. And those guys can all kill you from the mid-range. Yeah. So then, on top of that, did we win a ring with Grayson Allen? I don't remember. No, we didn't. And he played pretty good for us, too. Tyler and I were patting him on the back a lot last year for how yep. he improved from year one to year two in a Milwaukee Bucks uniform. Yep. He played pretty good for us. He took He's a good player. Level. It is what it is. We made a decision. We have Damian Lillard because of that decision. And that's the thing, is that you have to give value to get value. And you know what? When Damian Lillard's making game-winning shots in the second round of the playoffs, bro, I don't want to hear nothing. I don't want to hear nothing about Grayson Allen. I don't want to hear nothing about no Dante DiVincenzo because we have Damian Lillard, dog. Where is it? Oh, Uh-oh. Steve's looking for receipts. <laughs> oh, here it is. I got it right here. What's this? Hey. 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 That's the receipt. That's the receipt right there. That's the receipt, baby. Right there. All right. All Let's answer Steve's question, and we'll cap this off. Steve asks, I'm curious, where do you guys rank Wisconsin sports fans across the board, high, mid, or low? If I go overall, I'll say they're somewhere in the mid to high. And if I'm being completely blatantly honest with you, the Green Bay Packers are absolutely carrying. Yeah. Badgers fans because aren't bad, but Badgers fans are they're a little they're a little wishy-washy at times. Yeah. And and I think a, a new coaching change with the football team is kind of skewing that a little bit recently. Yeah. Um but I'll say Brewers fans, there's a lot of whiners out there. Bucks fans, there's a lot of spoiled fans out there. Well, all right. So I agree with you that Packers fans are definitely carrying. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, we've had a lot of success over our lifetimes for sure. Yep. Badgers fans, I agree, wishy-washy, although there are some really, really good ones that mm-hmm. I've interacted with. Brewers, baseball is so weird. Baseball is so hard to judge. And mm-hmm. baseball sucks because of the no you know, salary cap. Yeah, it's an so, uneven playing field. Yeah, so for that reason and everybody thinking that just spending money makes you magically win a ring, I mean, keep, look at the Dodgers. <laughs> the only Padres, ring they won was in a COVID year, dude. Yeah. Um, then you get to you get the Bucks fans. There are an insane amount of bandwagon fans that jumped on the Bucks bandwagon back in 2016, 2017, when Giannis, you know, won the most improved player and he was starting to get all the hype and he's gonna be the next big thing and he starts winning MVPs and defensive player of the years. And so Bucks fans honestly might be the worst because for one, not many people know ball. Let's just call it what it is. And <clears throat> they're just so whiny. They don't know anything. They just want to trade everybody. That's the thing that, that that freaking kills me about today's cancel cultures. You know what? If you're not doing good, immediately when I'm watching the TV and I don't have my face stuffed in my phone, I'm trading you. Like, what? what yeah, you, it's, yeah. What? And and to me, it's to me, I would say the whiniest among Wisconsin sports fans teams, as far as we're talking about just, and we fully understand that there are great fans in our fan bases. But there's also a large contingent of really shitty people. Sorry, if it if you feel that you're a shitty person when it comes to your fandom, when you hear this whenever it happens, mm-hmm. I, I'm not sorry. Right. Because if your generic overall response to anything that the Brewers do that doesn't immediately agree with you is fire the GM, sell the team, or trade everybody. What? Just, just, just stop. Just go away. Yeah. Like, honestly. And, and that's, and I'll say that with our show, we will tell people this. We understand that it potentially makes it so that our following is going to grow a little slower. That's fine. But when we end up in situations like this now, the people that do follow us and watch our stuff and comment along and are in some of our chat rooms and are commenting on our show like this, that's why we feel we've created such a quality following because we have prioritized the quality of people over the quantity of people. Steve's definitely goaded, dude. Steve is definitely goaded. Steve, every time that we start doing draft prep, by the way, I always think of you because you're so smart with the draft prep and you always comment along and watch all of our stuff, dude. So, I'm really excited for the draft prep episodes that are going to be coming up, and Steve's going to be commenting along yeah. and telling me things that I had to research because he already researched it. <laughs> uh, Steve made a good point on the baseball spending part of it. The Mets have spent over a billion dollars on payroll since 2018, and which team has more success, Milwaukee or the Mets? And the answer is Milwaukee. And they haven't won it all since 86, and I guess that the answer is that the Brewers haven't won it at all ever, which I still hold that Milwaukee has won – a World Series in 1957 when they were the Braves. So the city of Milwaukee has seen a World Series. It's just that for some reason when the, the name of a team moved to a different city, all, apparently the ring doesn't count happening here because it happened with the franchise, not with the city. It should be with the city in my opinion, but eh, yeah, whatever. I agree. All right. That said, we're going to wrap it up. The Bucks have, I believe, four games. 
yeah, four games. They play tomorrow against the Timberwolves, Friday against the Hornets, Monday against Denver again, and then Tuesday against Miami. So two back-to-backs, unfortunately, with two days off in between. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, it's not going to surprise me, like I said, if Chris misses a, a couple weeks. Um, hopefully Dame is back tomorrow. Um, other than that, relax. Give some time to let things improve, like I said, incrementally. Uh, and then I just want to throw out there that uh, March 15th, that is a Friday. That is the one week that we don't have anything draft-wise going on or covering for the Packers. So March 15th, that Friday, Jake and I are going to do our Milwaukee Brewers primer that day. So we're going to be right in the thick of spring training. And uh, we're working at getting a handful of awesome guests for that show. Uh, so that's going to be March 15th. Brewers primer is going to be solo on its own this year. So we're not uh, cramming it into a Wednesday show. We're going to give it its own show this year. So we're really excited about that. March 15th, mark your calendars, 2024 Brewers Primer. Steve, thank you. Everybody else who commented along and watched and and stuck with us through our our many rants this week, we appreciate it as well. And to anybody who's going to watch this after it airs, thank you. And we will be back on on next Wednesday, no Friday show this week. So next Wednesday. Invite your friends, come join the conversation. At Highland, we're all about celebrating little wins and little ways to innovate digital processes. There's no customer pain point too small for us to help with. Maybe that's why more than half of the Fortune 100 looks to Highland to connect their content and data, improve processes, and turn little efficiencies into big wins for their customers and clients. Highland, intelligent content solutions for innovators everywhere at highland.com. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.